0: When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob of
1: <laughs> Lost John sitting on a railroad track. Something's out of whack. Blue's this morning falling down like hail. Gonna leave a greasy trail. Gonna travel the world is what I'm gonna do, then come back and see you. All I ever do is struggle and strive. If I don't do anybody any harm, I might make it back home alive. I'm the oldest son of a crazy man. I'm in a cowboy band. Got a pile of sins to pay for and I ain't got time to hide. I'd walk through a blazing fire, baby, if I knew you was on the other side. Oh, I miss you, Nettie Moore, and my happiness is o'er. Winter's gone, the river's on the rise. I loved you then, and ever shall. There's no one here that's left to tell. The world has gone black before my eyes. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the and Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about Nettie Moore, one of the great songs on a great album, 2006's Modern Times, is my fellow Bobcat, Cat curtis grunler hi curtis welcome
0: to the show thanks for uh, having me this is great i'm excited
1: it's great to have you here uh this is the of course this is your first appearance on the show now we should get into a little bit of how we got to know each other because you wrote a, a very interesting article an online article about bob dylan why don't you get into that a little bit
0: um well i i saw him play in the south bend last fall I actually went with my uh with my son who's a uh, uh Nineteen, and uh, it was a great show. And I uh, was just driving on the way uh, all the way back, hour and a half from South Bend. I was just thinking, what makes Bob such a great live performer? And um, ended up writing a a little article that got posted on on the the blog of the English department at the college where I teach. Hmm. uh, And and uh, had I was uh, I think it was actually it was another trip from dropping Sam off at, at Notre Dame, actually. I was driving back, thinking, you know, there's uh, where would I uh, be able to to uh, see what some other people think about seeing Bob live, and that's how I found Pod Dylan. I actually, was searching on on Spotify for uh, something about Dylan live, and uh, and I uh, uh, just had a had a really memorable trip back from South Bend, listening to Pod Dylan for the first time. <laughs> and That's what really got me thinking. Oh, this is this is great. I I should really write something about this. And, and, you know, and then then my colleague who edits the blog said, oh, I'll just I'll I'll send this to him, see if we can get you on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) I mean, I I always am sort of just still stunned that anybody listens to the show. I know they do. I track the numbers and stuff. But when I anytime I see the show referenced in anything related to Bob Dylan, it's always such a treat. I'm like, whoa, oh there's the show in there. So, yeah, I was so happy they did that, that they reached out because that was great. I really enjoyed the piece, by the way.
0: Oh thanks that's my How many times have you seen Bob live? Just 4 actually. I kind of got started late. I've, I saw him for the first time on that that tour of of uh, minor league ballparks. Oh
1: right, the ones with, with Willie Nelson
0: and, and John and Mellencamp. Yeah, yeah, which was not long after Modern Times had come out and there what I just remember this smoke and version of Thunder on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, And then it it was a while before I saw him. A couple of times when he came to Grand Rapids, played the big arena there. I guess it was uh, fall of 2017 when he was doing the the, uh – was interspersing his own uh, stuff with the things off of uh, triplicate. and he does those those the albums of standards and I, I just thought that show was fabulous and then it just keeps getting better. How does he get better as he gets older? Just, <laughs> I think this show this past fall was the best one I've seen.
1: How did you? I'm I'm we sort of backfilling. How did you become a fan in the first place?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a big U2 fan. U2 is kind of the soundtrack of my 20s and 30s, and I was. Um, Reading uh, the book "You Two at the End of the World" by Bill Flanagan, and mm-hmm. I'd been interested in, in in Bob, but just hadn't really sat down to listen. And there's a he has a chapter Flanagan does about a weekend when uh, Bob and Van Morrison were each playing shows in Dublin, and they were hanging out at I guess it's the pub that 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 uh, Bono and the Edge own, and they got into this contest of uh, remembering obscure songs you know one would name a title and the other would have to come up with with lyrics and they went back and forth until van morrison just named a you know really obscure thing most obscure he could think of and bob stood up and rattled off 12 verses and that person gave <laughs> <came> up <laughs> wow if he, you know i just didn't realize how deeply you know knowledgeable and steep and the whole tradition of song, Bob, is. And, you know, for uh, a, someone who, who studies old literature like me, that was, that was kind of the, the thing that really got my attention. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I got Biograph, I think, was the first thing I uh, I listened through to. And then, so the first album that came out after I had started listening to him was Modern Times. Wow.
1: And, okay. oh, yeah. I've never heard that story. That's great. I love that idea. It's a, it's a great
0: story. <laughs> whole chapter's good.
1: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, God, Lord, I can't imagine being able to challenge Bob Dylan to that kind of thing. I mean, I'm sure Van Morrison can keep up with him, but still, if there's somebody who
0: could, it's probably him. Yeah, you're
1: really playing with a heavyweight when you're quoting old, obscure song lyrics to Bob Dylan. I mean, for me, that is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool i love that oh that's so much oh, that's the kind of thing where it's like that's oh I, I mean we've talked on the show before about like what would be the context for wanting to meet bob at some point that would be the best way to walk into a bar and just yeah. see them sitting there bullshitting back <laughs> and forth that would just be amazing you know oh wow
0: that's yeah you just imagine bono too just being kind of in awe of the whole thing yeah
1: oh that's really cool that's fantastic all right we said biograph that's the like, you couldn't probably pick a better place to start because that's it's got the great collection of you know hits that you know and then obscure stuff. So, it yeah. you know, it has yeah. multiple levels for you to travel in if you start really getting into
0: it. Yeah, right, right, right. And the great uh, liner notes, too. Right, right. That
1: yeah, that interview with Cameron Crowe. That's a really good, yeah. really good set. Yeah, I have to so. do an episode about that set sometime. Like, there's no, there, you can't do an individual episode, but that's that's worth covering because that was such a, a great set. Well, that's very cool. That's very exciting. So, uh, like I said, well, we're, we're here to talk about Nettie Moore. It's from, as we talked about, Modern Times. Uh, I mean, this this song uh, is, I think, it's one of the most unique sounding songs in the Dylan yeah. canon. With that with that, that that beat to it that really I mean of course the beat itself the just the, the strumming uh, is reminiscent of other songs but I mean it, it's in terms of the, the Bob's vocal it's to me it's really unique and it just it doesn't sound like much else in his Canada. why did you want to talk about this one in particular
0: well I it's a great example of just how how uh, attached he is to uh, the whole tradition of song uh, you know kind of which is the story that I started, you know, with him. Uh, But then as I've listened to it, I've, I've realized, well, I guess I've sort of come up with a theory (laughs) that one of the, the the, uh, important uh, texts behind this song is Dante's divine comedy. And I don't know if I I haven't seen anybody talk about that yet. So that's kind of what I want to talk about, but I do want to, to say something about what you were just saying about the about the sound, I was just thinking about that, re-listening to the song today. Just and it's the way the there's that steady beat, but then the the other instruments kind of come in bursts and mm-hmm. then they pause and then little bursts again. And I don't know what's going on with that, but it it really is unique. And I yeah, I, I I love that sound.
1: In terms of the the beat, it it reminds me of Lovesick because Lovesick has that same. Uh, Dun. Done. Yeah. Except, of course, with Lovesick, that's that's an organ playing. And to me, that sounds like a, it sounds a very kind of stabby. <laughs> that sound.
0: Yeah, and it, right. and
1: it's meant to it's meant to kind of put you back on your heels a little bit and make you feel insecure. But this this uh, the, the bass playing, with Tony Garnier, of yeah. course, it, yeah. sounds, it feels like a heartbeat. You know it just feels yeah. like a heartbeat, and that's and and again combined with Bob's you know very interesting vocal and we'll talk about it and we'll talk about the divine comedy because, yeah i haven't really come to come across that uh, that particular reference in in, in the research the researcher different the song uh it it to me the Nettie Moore, despite it being you know a sad song, it has a real warmth to it oh, uh, and that so. is
0: something that's that I really cool. love about it yeah right right i they, the heartbeat is good, I like that I, it also seems like a um like a a, um, a pilgrimage song. It's a, it's a, a, you know, a journey that's it's footsteps, maybe the beat too. And then the, the little bursts of, of insight or even revelation that come with, with the, with the other instruments.
1: Now, I mean, the, I, the, when I looked it up, I saw that, of course, this was, I didn't want to say it's based on a previous song, although it's, it's only referenced. There's a song from, I think the 1700s called gentle Nettie Moore,
0: I did, uh, God, the, thing, the thing I looked up, I think, said just 19th century, but old for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: by somebody named Henry Henry Bishop. And I don't know this song, and I don't really know this stuff to it. But, I mean, it's uh, clearly – I mean, again, yeah, it's another incredibly old-timey song that Bob knows. And, I mean, that's – I mean, he's been doing that a lot lately where he's taking a reference from a song from hundreds of years ago and then doing his own yeah. version of it, whether it's Working Man's Blues Number no. 2, which is, of course, is also on Modern Times and stuff like that. But, I mean – so but, you, you mentioned the Divine Comedy. How does in your mind, how does the how does the Divine Comedy uh, figure into this?
0: OK, so, well, that the line that really uh, I think is the, the most obvious uh, connection, what was the clue for me was that it's the last line of the first verse before the first chorus. I'd walk through a blazing fire, baby. Mm, if I, okay. on the other side. So when when Dante gets to the top of, of Mount Purgatory, Purgatory in the middle part of the Divine Comedy is a, a journey up a mountain and he goes through the the terraces climbs the terraces that are associated with the seven deadly sins and the top one is lust and and then after he's done with that to get to the the earthly paradise at the top of the mountain he has to walk through a wall of flame mm. and he has he he can't get himself to do it and he, virgil the poet virgil who's been his guide uh, all the way and who he's trusted all along, says, come on, you've trusted me all this way. That's not enough. And then he says, I, uh, Beatrice is on the other side. Already I can see her eyes. And that's what gets him through the wall of, of fire. Hmm. Um, exactly that. I'd walk through a blazing fire if I knew you were on the other side. <laughs> that's what gets Dante the Pilgrim through the wall of fire. Um, so then I st- you know, started looking for, for other ways to connect and. You know, with the with a, with a poem as vast as the Divine Comedy, you I mean, <laughs> can find lots of connections. Um, but even where the song starts, Lost John sitting on a railroad track, something's out of whack. The Divine Comedy starts in, in the middle of life's journey. I woke to find myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. So the pilgrim is lost. There's a straight way, but he's not able to travel on it, you know, like Sitting on a railroad track instead of riding on a railroad track. Right, right, right. Something's out of whack. There's something wrong in his life, um, and, uh, uh, is where the poem starts. And then it just, you know, the, the, the the flow of the song, I think, kind of moves, and I mean, there's other particular references we could talk about, but the flow of the song, I think, moves from this, this, uh, lost place at the beginning to something much happier toward the end and and it's the the purgatorial part the the uh the learning from suffering and turning it somehow to good that maybe is the is the way it makes that transition which uh is is again that's the i think that's the strongest connection is is to dante's uh picture of of the purgatorial experience you know that the, the I think that the thing that's easy to um get stuck on with the divine comedy is thinking that Dante's actually trying to predict the afterlife. And I and I think what he's really doing is he's trying he's using this, you know, vivid imagination of where the end of the road could be for, for people as a way of drawing attention to what it is that gets us there. How we're living through hell and purgatory and maybe having glimpses of heaven all at the same time in our ordinary lives, which is usually not able to see it very well. Hmm. And he's trying to shine a light on that by looking to the end. And, and it seems to me, you know, it's, I think with, with Bob, you could say he's actually doing something like that. in a lot of his songs too, trying to highlight these, you know, you can call them spiritual dynamics or you could call them sort of moments of insight or, hmm. Struggles, uh, you know, in his song, so that you know the, the connections there and what they're trying to do as poets seem pretty rich to me.
1: Hmm. That's that's a very interesting theory. I've I've never read the Divine Comedy. I mean, I know the basic. Sort of beats of it, uh, but I didn't know that. Can I ask you something about the Divine Comedy? Because I wonder yeah. if it's coming back into this song. Something that occurred to me when I listened to this song is: is the the, the figure of Beatrice in the Divine Comedy? Do we really get to know Beatrice at all, or is is she yeah. just the 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 object of f- devotion? Uh, and everything is through uh, the, our protagonist. I, yeah. I I've never read it, so I don't
0: know. Right, right. No, it's a str- it's a strange strange thing. I, 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 I mean, it's a great question because I think there's a real sense in which you, you don't really get to know her. She doesn't become um, character, you know, find out about her life or how she feels about anything. She's there to guide the pilgrim. So it really is through his eyes. And, you know, we um, their backstory is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they were these. You know, he he had a a crush on her, but they were, both had marriages arranged to other people. It's you know, it's a question whether they were even ever alone together in their lives, given okay. you know, the way young people were were chaperoned in the you know in in, in the Florence of the of the late thirteenth century. Um, but so he wrote poetry about her, and she became a kind of ideal for him of love and his. How love can be an uh something that elevates and ennobles a person, so when she when he first sees her in you know at the in the earthly paradise at the top of at the, of Mount Purgatory toward the end of that section of the poem, um what she's there to do is get him to confront his main thing that he needs to repent of, which is that after she died, he forsook his devotion to her. Um, and pursued other things. But the reason that's a problem is that his devotion to her was meant to lead beyond her to God. And so I like to think of, of Beatrice in the poem as sort of for the reader, a figure of whatever it is in anyone's life that can become a portal like that okay. of, 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 you know, of a glimpse of the divine, something. And he Dante contrasts it to a dream he has earlier in the purgatorio of a siren, which, is, you know, from classical story, the, you know, a siren whose voice can't be resisted, who who seems more beautiful than she really is. And right, what Dante right. does with that is make it a figure of fantasy, the way you can do, you can, your imagination can work on something to make it seem better than it is. And that's what leads to lust and addiction. Okay. And Beatrice mm-hmm. is the opposite of that. She's something that really is truly more beautiful than anything you could dream up.
1: Well, that, see now that, that leads in perfectly to to back to Nettie Moore because one of the things I've noticed about this song is that we really don't get to know Nettie Moore. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. all through the narrator is telling us that this, this yeah. Nettie Moore is this great, amazing person, and we have <laughs> we have to just kind of trust the narrator that she is uh, the, worthy of this level of devotion, this this longing. And I have to say, I think it is one of Dylan's great vocal performances that he's able to sell yeah. that so profoundly. Yeah, I mean, okay. right after the first after the first uh, chorus, he goes, The world of research has gone berserk. Too much paperwork. Albert's in the graveyard. Frankie's raising hell. I'm beginning to believe what the scriptures tell. I'm going where the southern crosses the yellow dog. Get away from these demagogues. All these bad luck women stick like glue. He's either one or of the, of the other or neither of the two. She says, look out, Daddy, I don't want you to tear your pants. You can get wrecked in this dance. They say whiskey will kill you, but I don't think it will. I'm riding with you to the top of the hill. And then when he goes back to the chorus, the, oh, I miss you, Nettie Moore, there's this wonderful, beautiful longing in it. And again, it is, I think it is one of Bob's best best sung songs okay. in that you really do feel this uh, pain of of missing this woman. And yet, again, we really don't know much about her and I find that's always amazing that we have to trust the guy who's describing this person as like oh no no trust me you know this is and mm-hmm. it, has to, it has to resonate with us and I think in this song yeah. it really does.
0: Yeah yeah and he's holding on to that longing as something that is is leading him through life and giving him something to hold on to.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean there's always the, I, the in the lyrics I just quoted I mean of course like in a lot of other Dylan songs there's references to other songs. I mean, you get yeah. you're mentioning Frankie and Albert in the one line there. Frankie and Albert, and then right. the world of research has gone berserk. Too much paper. People seem to suggest that is Bob's little nod at all the all the sort of uh, excavating people have been doing yeah. of his yeah. lyrics right. over the years. Right. Just, just just like what I'm doing, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you're not doing it as a aha, I got you, Bob. You're doing it more of like, okay, this is what he's talking about. This is what yeah. he's referencing to. We're getting off name a little bit, but I mean, how do you feel about? these lines that Bob populates in his songs from other songs. Is that something that, yeah,
0: right. how does that, how does that work for you? Oh, I think that's what great writers do mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, people have, have uh, talked about, uh, I think, uh, T. S. Eliot, as as someone who has articulated that, and uh, you know, and as a writer who's likely been important to Bob and his his essay tradition and the individual talent, just talks about how how important it is for any writer to be anchored in the tradition, um, and 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 that the idea of originality is is kind of a, a a modern idol, and that no one is truly original, and great art is never truly original. It's always working within the tradition Mm -hmm. that's how it becomes great and that's where real creativity comes from and i you know i think everyone's you know what's great is always doing that bob is just able to do it more richly and comprehensively and knowingly than most people Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know probably now now and again we're able to catch him at it most of the time we don't (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, I mean, good. Pre-internet, this was so much harder, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was so right. much harder to do. <laughs> um, my goodness. Uh, Who
0: else knows this stuff? These yeah, old 19th right. century, 17th century songs, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, good Lord. Uh, I, he continues on in the song, after the second uh, chorus. He says, uh, don't know why my baby never looked so good before. I don't have to wander no more. She's been cooking all day, and it's going to take me all night. I can't eat all this stuff in a single bite, and boy... I love the way he leans into that line. By the way, it's so it's so kind of filthy. Uh, I can't <laughs> eat this stuff in a single bite. The judge, <laughs> it's really one of his more lascivious lines. He's he's ever uh, he's ever saying. Um, the judge is coming in. Everybody, rise, lift up your eyes. You can do what you please. You don't need my advice. Before you call me any dirty names, you better think twice. Getting light outside. The temperature dropped. I think the rain has stopped. I'm going to make you to come to grips with fate. When I'm through with you, you're going to learn to keep your business straight. And then he goes back into yet another chorus. So in your mind, Curtis, like what what exactly is going on in this? Song? I mean, I know that this yeah, is a guy, right. What you know, obviously thinking back to Nettie Moore, but the, again, like a lot of Dylan songs, it seems to take place in an in indeterminate uh, time yeah. period. It seems to be in the present, but also the past and also so, something else. I mean, in your mind, what is what's happening in, in Nettie Moore here?
0: Well I keep mapping it on to the to the divine comedy and <clears throat> I think that that uh that uh, verse that you that you just read the third verse uh, is the judge is coming in that's in a way what what uh, the divine comedy is about you know people have been judged and here they are either in in hell or in purgatory on their way to heaven um, and uh, what's happening in purgatory is is it's kind of the dis- the discovery of uh, the possibility of, of forgiveness and, uh, as, you know, a purification. That's what purgatory is about. At the at the end of uh, Virgil's time at guiding Dante, he says, "All right, your your will has been purified. You can just do whatever you want now. You don't have to, and you don't need me to guide you anymore." It's and it's, it's almost like that line: "You can do what you please. You don't need my advice." <laughs> Has this 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 thing that's meant to happen? You're, you know, it's kind of a dry run for the for Dante the pilgrim through through on this journey, but he's 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 getting a taste of what it's is like to discover that uh you know this longing you know this love that he has for Beatrice or in this song the love for Nettie Moore it is actually a, a hook that's leading him to to something bigger and better. I that line she's been all <laughs> day it's gonna take me all night i don't know how to end it's you know it's true that beatrice is kind of she's hard to swallow for that day <laughs> when, when he sees her in he, he compares her to an admiral <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not two lovers running to each other through a field of flowers she's this commanding figure mm. uh, first and then she becomes more of a companion in the you know in, in the paradiso especially as they're rising through the heavens um but even that the judge is coming in, everybody rise, the whole m- movement of the poem at that point is rising and it's, it's not, you know, it's a great, I think, play. You think, you know, everybody rise or in, in some of the some of the times he's sung this live. I think he says all rise, you know, just like everyone's supposed to rise when the judge walks into the courtroom, which it's got to be that. But, um, but it's also, you know, maybe also rising in the sense that, you know, as in Dante of of uh rising uh you know toward heaven
1: right 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 i love that he's still futzing with it too which is amazing yeah. that he takes the time to, to still. i mean good lord i mean he's to sit there and say oh no no no, no. let's take take it from everybody rise to all rise like yeah. you know, yeah. you sit there it's amazing yeah. that he does all that um after the after again another chorus uh he says the bright spark of the steady lights has dimmed my sights when you're all around my grief gives way a lifetime with you is like some heavenly day and I have to say I you know boy when Bob really wants to turn a woman's head he sure knows how to do it because <laughs> I mean just that line by itself yeah, uh, a right. lifetime with you is like some heavenly day I mean right. whew, um everything I've ever known has ever everything I've ever known to be right has been proven wrong and I'm drifting along the woman I'm loving she rules my heart no knife could ever cut our love apart today I'll stand in faith and raise the voice of praise. The sun is strong. I'm standing in the light. I wish to God that it were night. And then, oh, I miss you, Nettie Moore, and my happiness is o'er. Winter's gone. The river's on the rise. I loved you then and ever shall. But there's no one here that's left to tell. The world has gone black before my eyes. Now, what do you the, – the penultimate verse. The i stand in faith and praise. The voice of – stand and raise the voice of praise. The sun is strong. I'm standing in the light. I wish to God that it were night. What do you make of that? What do you make of – the the of course we want to be standing in light. Why is he in your mind? Why is he wishing to God that it were night?
0: And it doesn't work very well with the the Dante reading. I don't think he's really maybe playing with Dante there because the the parad- Paradiso is all about moving moving further and further into the light. And it's uh, Dante is blinded because it's getting so bright, and yet he's also his eyes are growing stronger. You could say, or he's becoming able to handle brighter and brighter light. Beatrice is becoming more and more beautiful, blindingly beautiful, but then he can—it gets to where he can look at that. And it seems like that's sort of what's, you know, the bright spark of the steady lights has dimmed my sights. um, Then he's standing in the light, but then I wish to God that it were night. I don't know. I mean, night is when the relationship could be consummated. Maybe that's part of it. Or Mm -hmm. also night as uh, uh, there is a sense in—and at the end of, of my comedy that, Uh, You know, God never appears, never speaks, and there's a sense that God goes completely beyond anything Dante could ever say or envision. There's and that kind of there's a tradition of this this, of of sort of a you know a mysticism of, of of a darkness that's more that is. Uh, is closer to God than any any than any kind of light would be. Maybe you know there maybe there's something like that in there. But even then, the, the, the way the chorus ends too, the world has gone black before my eyes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. this guy?
1: Yeah. I mean, is this a guy that's that's dying? Is that? I mean, is that maybe what's going on? Is is this is a guy yeah. uh, on his on the, his final moments and he's thinking of Nettie Moore? It, it sort of has that feel but then also like i mentioned bob's vocal performance and I, I he injects a lot of character into this not that he doesn't in other yeah. songs but yeah. i mean like you know uh, thunder on the mountain i love that song but that's kind of like a rock out song this is yeah. this is a very peculiar vocal i love uh, the the structure of it and that it seems like the first it's not for every verse but for a lot of the verses the first line He's jamming a lot of words into the first line, yeah, and then you've got that right. second line that becomes very sparse like everything I've right. known to have been right has been proven wrong. I'll be, I'll be drifting you know, along like then yeah. then it's like he he speeds up and slows down, speeds yeah. up and slows down, and there's something I love and I mean the cowboy band. I love yeah. the way he sings cowboy band. I'm in a cowboy band. Like, you know, like it's it's again. It's like it's very very funny. And this is something that he kind of did. Uh, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, and uh, when uh, Tarazuk and I talked about I can I contain multitudes. Yeah, where he talks about I'll I'll show you my heart, but not all of it. And it's it, yeah. the way he's able to sing it. It sounds like he's just thinking of it in that moment and that's amazing when you realize how rehearsed these things have to be. But it sounds fresh and sounds spontaneous. And and again I love when he gets along to the line about and I'll be drifting along and the way he stretches the words out. It has yeah. this beautiful melancholy to it that is that is just again it's so powerful to listen to and and its placement on the album uh where it is like it it again it just it stands out so profoundly of all of a sudden we've got this very, very Particular devotion to this woman, and again Nettie Moore becomes you know one of the great characters in all of Bob Dylan's songs, you know what I mean, or it's like Isis or you know what I mean it's like uh, named right. characters that he's put in is so Sarah right. or whatever but i mean it's yeah i i it's you no know,
0: i I wanted to connect to another thing that you about the the context of the album with because uh I loved what you did on the the uh, the episode on uh, uh, about uh, someday baby mm-hmm. because in the two versions of it the one that's on the album and then, and, then, and then uh and then the the you know the alternate uh version um and and the way that you contrasted the 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 sort of uh um uh real uh, kind of venom of the album version the of the modern times version with the, the 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 somewhat well how did you describe it the other one is a little bit more sympathetic or, or or even i mean i don't want to push it too far and say penitent but there is a there's it's a little bit like the one isn't in the inferno infernal version of yeah penitent. oh yeah right yeah the, the, the alternate <laughs> and the version penitent, and then the other one is the more purgatorial the mm-hmm. more you know a you know maybe the uh, a, a sense of a of a of a turning of the heart in that one. Yes. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, you know, yeah. that the alternate. Out of right, yeah. I mean that
1: alternate take of yeah is a little softer than the one on the album which is much more driving and and sort of just uh, outwardly violent. But yeah, this is it. said this song is incredibly gentle. I mean, it really is this is he's just sort of longing for this woman and talk about. I mean, again, he, the the <laughs> when he talks about she says, the actually the only words we get. For- now, okay, I'm jumping around, but the, the, a couple of verses backwards. Yeah. She says, look out, daddy. Don't want you to tear your pants. You can get wrecked in this dance. I, you know, it was like, to me, the look out, daddy. You don't want to tear your pants. You can get wrecked in this dance. It's like, what an interesting way of referring to sex. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, <get it. laughs>
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: It's yeah, a very sexual song, you know. I mean, it's, sure. we don't really necessarily think of him that way in a lot of sense, but of course he is. You know, he's put a lot of that in the songs.
0: Well, just in the closeness of sexuality to spirituality, you could say, to you know, which is what Dante's doing, and, mm-hmm. you know.
1: But. Yeah, I mean, they, when he follows up with, "They say whiskey will kill you," but I don't think it will. And we've always heard about, you know, don't drink too much if you're planning on having sex later and then i'm riding with you to the top of the hill i mean good lord you
0: know (laughs) know. (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, totally right all right the top of the hill could also be mount purgatory which
1: is (laughs) if you want to be highfalutin about it curtis yes i guess (laughs) you can suggest that yes
0: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in the, in that same verse, I I just love the the way he brings in Frankie and Albert. Albert's in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Which is also, I think, maybe a Dante reference because one of the famous scenes in the Inferno is, in you know, the first of the the circles of hell is is the those who are in hell because of lust, and the that the, the, they talk to a woman named Francesca who was was uh, caught having an affair with her husband's brother caught by her husband and he killed them both on the spot so it's a little bit like frankie and albert the song right right right, right. it's it's for frankie's the, the killer in that in that song and frankie even frankie and francesca a uh, kind of an unusual name for a woman and and then frankie's raising hell just a you know, a, a, almost a cliche, but if it's a Dante reference, what could it mean? And there's always, I think with with Dante, there's always the question of whether uh, hope for salvation is possible, even though someone seems completely gone. And that's kind of what's going on in in, in Frankie and Albert too. Is there's, the, you know, she she, she deserves punishment, yet she seems to have hope. Yeah. You know, it's left ambiguous in the song.
1: I, it's funny uh, when I when I read that line that Albert's in the graveyard, Frankie's Raising hell, and of course Bob covered that very song on the "Good as yeah. I've Been to You" record. I always, uh, I, I always say I always, as if I've been thinking of this stuff for decades. A lot of times it just occurs to me, and as we're yeah. talking, you know what I mean, as I'm reading it over. Because when you listen to something as a song, I, I'm not always analyzing every reference. You know, I'm just kind sure. of letting it flow and and just I'm just enjoying it, but. The, the, the reference to Albert's in the Graveyard and Frankie's raising Hell, I always thought, like, the idea of that these are um, old songs to be excavated. You know, yeah. How Albert's in the Graveyard and, you know, he's digging it up. I mean, it, I mean who outside of, of, you know, real musical music experts heard, have even heard of Gentle Nettie Moore, that hey. song? And here he is digging it up. Here he is excavating it for his own purposes. And I, 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 I like that idea that it's – these are songs that you can dig up or just – maybe not even the song itself but the, the, uh, a thought from it or an idea from it can be taken out. And with, of course that's exactly what he's doing in these songs is taking some notion and planting it into something new, into a brand new record.
0: I just listened to one of your older episodes, the one about pain and blood from Tempest. Mm. And, and and I loved your reading of that, that uh, the you know, pain and blood but not my own, and thinking of the the blues tradition of people, right. you know, musicians who who suffered way more than Bob has ever suffered in you know, in this tradition. Um and and that's where these these references here are coming from, the you know, the, the one where the Southern Cross is the Yellow Dog mm-hmm. is, is is to one, one of those old. Well, I guess it's not known exactly who W. C. Handy got it from, but one of these one of these early um, African American blues musicians. Um, and there's a Robert Johnson reference in here somewhere. And 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 so and, and you know and that those those I love the idea of the, the music that came out of those lives of suffering being transmuted here by Bob into something that. Then moves and you know toward the end, and I, what I find anyway a much more hopeful direction you know that that, 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 that is finding uh, something uh, you know beautiful out of the suffering
1: yeah the, <laughs> the the line after the yellow dog too there's something else I, I wanted to mention was he says to get away from all these demagogues yeah. uh, modern times, even more than some of his other records, it really uh, impresses me with his. Uh, linguistic skills that he can uh, drop these words into his songs and <laughs> makes them sound natural. I mean, I mean, can you think of too many pop songs? Not that this is a pop song, but you know what I mean? Like a modern popular piece of entertainment that uses the word demagogue in it. Right. And I mean, and then a couple songs earlier uh, on when I mentioned working, working man's blues, number two, it's got the word proletariat in it for Pete's right. sakes. I mean, the fact that he is, I mean, I've discovered this by doing the show is that when I open every episode by reading some of the lyrics, I've had to do numerous takes of just (laughs) reading the lyrics and I'm just sitting here reading it, Uh, you know, and yet he's able to kind of roll them off his tongue in a way that not only – you know, fits within the, the 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 rhythm and the meter of the song, but just sounds natural. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he doesn't sound yeah. like a a, a a dilettante where he's just you know like you learn the word for the first time. He's like, oh, I want to jam this into a song. It sounds utterly natural, and it, yeah. th- I'm just amazed at that.
0: Yeah, he's just a great master of the language, no question. Yeah, I mean, and the, you know, the comparison with Dante, I would I would put him right up there. Dante remade the Italian language, and uh, uh, you know, no greater master of language, but I think Bob is right up there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, I said, I, this is probably actually, not even say probably, this is my favorite, Modern Times is my favorite of the sort of 21st century albums, that yeah, sort of quartet that's, that's of the ones I'm that he's that. producing. Uh, I I think this is just an incredibly strong oh. album, st- Ed, just from song to song to song, uh, and again, the way he structures it is amazing. And they said, the way Nettie Moore, the, the order which it pops into the the album is great. Um, you mentioned the live performances. He has not done this very much. It is, he has sung it 142 times from 2006 to 2012. So he gave this a kind of brief window. Again, when you're, when you're talking about Bob Dylan uh, live performance eras, it's, you're, it's almost like you're you know, having to talk about the Paleozoic era. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it, I'm, I'm sitting here talking about that. They're, they're just referring to six years as a brief right. window. Right. <laughs> you know, to a lot of musicians, six years is like half their recording career. But to Bob, that's like a tiny fraction of like, oh well, that was that was that was before Hominid Man, but it was after you know Paleo, you know, whatever. So I mean, but but nevertheless, he only did it for six years, and he's not done it uh, since. So this is not something I guess that you know maybe he feels like it's just it's it's specific to a certain time, and now now it's retired. I'm sure I'm sure it will be, be dug up at some other point, but it's it, off of the modern times. Unlike, unlike, like you mentioned, "Thunder on the Mountain," which is still getting yeah, played. Right. I just he played it the last time I saw him, just a couple of months ago. But Nettie Moore is not something that gets played around a lot, and unfortunately, there was no other uh, alternate takes when they released yeah. the Telltale Signs. This was the only version. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure there were other versions of it, but I guess maybe none of them were completed. But so Nettie Moore just sort of stands unique. Uh, as one of those, you know, kind of almost album-only songs. It's just something yeah. he was on an album, and yeah. he moves on to something else. But it's, I, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song.
0: Well, I feel like some, sometimes that that just uh, suggests that when the the one ver- the version that's on the album, he just feels like he he got that right. <laughs> he can move right. on other other songs. He's still working on, still playing with, still squeezing more out of it. <laughs> playing around with different live versions.
1: Yeah, 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 and it said uh, I haven't heard. I, there's a couple I think on YouTube. I haven't heard that many different versions. And it basically kind of keeps yeah. the same rhythm to it. Like, yeah, is that yeah. kind of that? Poof, poof, poof. And you know, again, yeah. I love I love the band playing on this. They are just they just there's such sympathetic accompaniment. And like I said this is I, I mentioned it, it, it does remind me of Love Sick with that that beat to it. But I mean, this is just so much warmer. And even though yeah. it's a sad song. It just has that beautiful, uh, and and you know the thing too. I was thinking about this, how you can get lost in a in a reverie a little bit. In that, when a guy is singing a song to Nettie Moore, I mean the the devotion he's singing to her, it sounds like this is the love of his life, but it may not be. You know what I mean? Like we can get lost in a in a in a memory of a period of time that we're not necessarily that eager to go back to, but you can be nostalgic for it, but also kind of be okay with that. It ended if you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. there's, there's points in your life where you're like, well, I don't <laughs> want to go back to that, but that right. was a fun time. And I can sort of marinate in it a little bit in that memory. Yeah. And that's what kind of gets the
0: right. read
1: I get from Nettie Moore. But
0: yeah. The, you know, the, the, the version that I found, it was, a uh, there's one on the library of Congress site, just the sheet music. And then there's a YouTube recording of a similar version that of gentle Nettie Moore. And, and, and it's, uh, She's taken into slavery, which is really oh. interesting. Hmm. That's why the, the the singer, narrator of the song, can't see her again. That's how she, that's how he's 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 lost her. Uh, which is uh, just, uh, I mean, interesting to think about it in 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 that context. And uh, um, um, and I, you know, I I I don't know if this makes any sense, but to to imagine this the scene of it being, uh. uh a, a sort of forbidden love uh, of, mm. of uh, you know, uh, of, a, of a slave who, um, uh, you know, and it would, would be a little bit like Dante and Beatrice couldn't be together because they both had marriages arranged to, to other people. Um, and so the, And so there was, and then she died, so there was just this brief time where they could have some kind of, conversation some you know enjoy each other's company um and then all of the you know all the dante imagines of their love is built on that and mm. and uh, you know kind of like you were saying about a you know at a time that was meaningful but that you've had to for one reason or another to had to move on from and even not wouldn't even want to go back to and yet there's something precious in that time that you treasure and it's mm. you know, still deeply meaningful I, I you know i do think that's i, I agree with you that's that's what the, uh, that's, that's i like that reading of the song
1: yeah it's just that it's it's marvelous the guy just just keeps going on with these great songs so yeah, uh, yeah. so i think i think that's going to do it for for Nettie moore so Curtis, thank you so much. First of all, thank you so much for name checking my show and your and your piece. That was that really meant a lot to me. I I, I just I, did, I was very very uh, touched by that. And thank you so much for coming on and doing the show. I really appreciate oh, it.
0: Uh, it's a real treat. And thanks so much for the show. I, it, it's, it, I really enjoyed it. Well,
1: why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet?
0: Oh, I uh, I, I have a a, uh, a Twitter account at C. Grunler and, and uh, a, a mostly dormant blog <laughs> called Writing in the Dust um, and then uh, some, uh, uh, you know, more academic publications than on academia.edu or can be found through my faculty webpage at Hope College.
1: All right. Very cool. Like I said, I re- recommend everybody read the article that Curtis wrote if you haven't yet. It's a very interesting reading. So that's going to do it for this episode of Pod Dylan. Of course, uh, we're always talking Bob over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. You can find back episodes of the show on the website, com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Go to patreon.com slash Podcast, and there you can unlock various rewards for different pledges, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward and another pledger who will remain masked and anonymous for their support of Pod Dylan. I really appreciate it. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>
2: John sitting on a railroad track Something's all the way Blues this morning Falling down like hell. Gonna leave a greasy trail Gonna travel the world Is what I'm gonna do Then come back and see you All I ever do is struggle and strive If I don't do anybody any harm I might make it back home alive I'm the oldest son of a crazy man I'm in a cowboy band Got a pile of sins to pay for And I ain't got time to hide I'd walk through a blazing fire Maybe if I knew you was on the other side Oh, I miss you more And my happiness is over. The wind is gone The river's on the rise I loved you then And ever shall But there's no one left in town The world has gone black Ah, <laughs>